<laughs> Bro, I just shot T-Bar. Oh my God. Look at that tall. This episode of the Top 10% Podcast is brought to you by Top 10% Hunting Headquarters, located in Coldwater, Michigan, your premier AR manufacturing outlet. Let's get back to your host, Dan Carter, of the Top 10% Podcast. Welcome to the Top 10% Podcast. I am your host, Dan Carter. Today is Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. Got a little bit uh, different, kind of a bonus episode this week. I am on vacation. I'm down in uh, Tennessee in a small town that most of you guys may not know for the town itself, but you probably have heard of the uh, the wonderful uh, gem of liquid that comes from it. I am in Lynchburg, Tennessee, about a mile from Jack Daniels Distillery. So uh, I've got a really special guest to me, and uh would be just a... Uh, a pleasure here to kind of hear a little bit more about my history, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Dan's Custom Knives, which you're going to see here in just a second that uh, the owner and maker, Dan Carter, is also my father, so you're going to hear me reference him as dad as opposed to Dan. It's a little more personal to me, so um, let's uh, welcome on my dad, Dan Thank Carter. Very glad to be here. So... Dad, let's go back a little bit on, uh, and let's talk about the history. We'll get into the knife stuff here shortly, but let's talk about the history again um, with with how you started sharing the passion with, you know, with me and Justin and obviously the grandkids and my boys and, and whatnot now. Where did that start from? Well, when I was a kid, my, I had a neighbor that used to fish all the time, and he would take, he'd come over and get me one know if i'd go fishing and we just fished off the bank but my dad didn't fish a lot yeah grandpa just he did worked, some hunting so, and work a lot yeah um so i guess my passion started for fishing like that probably more so than the hunting and then as i got older it got where i could you know get out more and we lived in the country so we could roam around in the marsh and stuff anyway so, so we were every, always outside. everything outdoors yeah, and yeah. pheasants and everything in the yard all the time so so as I got a little older, you know, I could I could start to do some hunting, rabbit hunting, that type of thing. And I guess it just went from there. And I, I pretty much just always loved being outside, didn't matter what, you know. And so that kind of just went from there. I mean, I can remember reading Field and Stream and some of those and thinking, man, I, I want to be right there. You know, I want to be, right. that's me. I want to do that part of stuff well and then too like it's not like now where there's you know there's tons of podcasts and there's tons of social media and everything where where you know youth and everybody have the opportunity to follow and learn and and there was no youtube so anything that you did you had to go out there and do it yourself and learn you know i mean that goes back into i mean we could talk about our history and and where i'm at from from a career and where that went too but that's a whole different kind of conversation, but that's the same thing. I mean, it's all about learning a trade or learning something else and then excelling in that because you either enjoyed it or you, you just were passionate about it. And I think that's where, 
I think even for me, I look at some of the stuff with the boys now and like, they love doing it, but they love doing it because I'm, I'm doing it. And I think there was a lot of that before, but I think it was like, we didn't have, when we were younger, we didn't have the opportunity to go out there and, you know, sit in the house and watch TV. I mean, you know, I mean, yours is a little bit different than mine, but I remember growing up when we had like, what, five channels on the TV. Maybe. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like it was all local and, and you probably less than that. So the outdoor passion has... It, and, and that's one thing that, you know, I, I like to push with my boys is like, let's get out and shoot or fish or do whatever, because right. there's so much that they don't do. And it's funny because you, you watch them and they, they do enjoy it way more. You know, they get to the point where they're asking and things that, you know, like that instead of like, oh, I don't want to sit in there and play Xbox or whatever. Now it's especially the little one. He's all about doing something, you know, that has and he was actually uh sitting in the background there last week for the podcast mm-hmm. and he liked that and wanted to know when he was coming back to do yeah. that. So I think he learns, he learns a little bit differently than, than Austin does, you know, Finn does, but nonetheless, I mean, I think that's all kids. I think they absorb things. And like you said, I absorbed all that through you a little bit through grandpa. You know, like you said, grandpa was continually working, but there was other people around me that were, that shared that passion with you that you brought into my life that I had all that exposure to. I mean, I look at well, like my Randall dad didn't and have the influence. He didn't have the influence of his dad or, right. or somebody that right. tried to take him out hunting or whatever. So it wasn't that, you know, it didn't, wasn't as it, you know, to it him. wasn't as prominent right. in, yeah, as, as much as us. And I mean, I think that that goes into everything. And as we get into the knife stuff, you're going to hear how that exposure comes on and, and where, those things start to develop the same kind of way through the knife passion later on. And we'll get into that. You'll understand when we get there. But I think for me too, like all of that ability learning so much and being able to apply it. And, and I don't want to act like I'm, you know, some special person that everybody can hunt and fish and do the same thing. I mean, I am passionate about killing big deer and catching big fish specifically walleye and salmon and, and things like that. And, I don't, as at a young age, I remember being, you know, we just, that's what we did. Right. You know what I mean? We went to hunting shows or we, we, we went was, wherever, you know, we yeah. rabbit hunted, we raised dogs, you know, so that exposure, I mean, you look at, and you look at like Mike and you look at our family. We didn't have the stuff that they had, like they have now to keep right. us. So we, and it was cheap. You know, there was a lot of times I thought, man, I can't afford to do a lot of these things. Right. But I can't afford to load them up and take them to the bridge right. fishing or grab a shotgun and go out here and grab yeah, you had, had the equipment you guys loved it right in fact you were the dogs we didn't have a dog so you guys not got, for a long time you guys yeah. got to be the dogs you know banging the rush brush piles but there was learning in that though i mean right. you learn why you know what i mean it's like why am i jumping on a brush pile at six seven years old mm-hmm. you understand and then later on you're like oh we got a dog and now we got dogs that do that and i'm like wait a minute i did this for four I or five years dog, i yeah. was the dog why this is stupid like yep. why didn't we get dogs before so you know and i think that 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 teaches different aspects of that too i mean and, and i miss i miss getting out i mean of course the rabbit population in michigan's out of control and even here and you know mm-hmm. i see i see the rabbits here on the hill that are crazy um but you know, the predator thing and, and there's just so much to it that, and I think there's, there's a lot of stuff like, and, and it was funny cause Scott and I were talking about this, um, off, off record last week and, and talking about, you know, cause he's all about the big buck thing and him and I were talking about, he's like, man, I, I just, on the fishing thing. Like I, he's like, 
that's you. I don't understand it. I said, Scott, it's the same. I was like, you got to, it's reading the land underneath of the water. I said, there's a lot of things that come into it that these travel court. Yeah. Travel corridors and, and funnels and pinches. And I said, you find that stuff underwater. I was like, if you can read a graph or you can read, it's like almost like e-scouting all the time. You know what I mean? Like the food. Right. So, the, it, you know, but it, it create a lot of people just, they don't understand or they don't put two and two together more so than that. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. If you're hungry, you got to go somewhere to eat. So right. what are you going to do? You look for a restaurant. Well, the same thing with a fish or, or deer. If they're hungry, they got to find where that's at. Think so, like they do. Yeah, absolutely. So as we're, I mean, obviously that tells a lot about like our, like my background even and, and whatnot. And I mean, I think most of my fishing side really stemmed from you and, and a couple other friends and family. Um, and I went away from that, even especially when I moved away. I mean, there was times in my life where I didn't fish as much and I hunted more or vice versa. I think as I've gotten older, I have a tendency to persist, you know, pursue all of it in its entirety. I really, I really don't have any kind of other, other things that I do besides that. You know what I mean? It has to do with a lot. That's really, I mean, I do snowmobile a little bit here and there, but that's not really the the sole passions mm. that I have. So with that, um, you know, we've been all over. We've done all kinds of craziness with, with fishing and hunting. And we've been fortunate enough to kill some good deer in a lot of places and, and you know, catch a lot of fish in a lot of places, a lot of good fish. Um, but so that spins into the knife thing. Always had a use for a knife. We needed to gut deer. We needed to fillet fish. And frankly, some of the quality is... I won't say the quality wasn't there before because you and I both know that there's a ton of the older stuff, you know, like an old-timer and, and those knives and things that were... They were solid. An old wood-handled right. Rapala. I mean, that thing, you know, as long as you sharpen it, you clean a, a basket full of fish really? forever. Yeah. But as time went on and the... You know, we'll get into steels and things of that nature here in just a minute. But as times went on, that stuff had a tendency to, the quality went by the wayside. Right. Or the steel, they couldn't get good steel. Or, you know, what was in the 80s, they had a major issue. I mean, look at all the stuff, that the cars and the rust issues and stuff that come out of the 80s. A lot of that stuff that was coming out of China and different places like that was just garbage. Right. So that turns into, I guess, now fast forward a few years. I mean, would it, you've been messing with the knife thing for, God, what, 25 years now, maybe? Well, since I was a kid, I always loved knives. I got a scar on my hand from a knife that I wasn't supposed to have when I was a kid. It's funny because I had I, one, too. That, that I cut myself and waited three or four days till it got infected, and I couldn't stand it before I told anybody because I knew what was going to happen when they found out I had the knife. Yeah, you, you probably know, had so, a dull knife, too. It was right. probably, it was probably so dull then. It was an old Boy Scout knife. <laughs> And I cut my thumb and spent months getting it healed up, surgery and everything over that. So, yeah, you know, I, I had knives, always had knives. Always well, it's had part of it. Knife. Yeah, it's part of it. I think mm-hmm. that's, you got to, you know, if you're an outdoors person, like you're whittling or cutting trees and sticks. And I mean, I think nowadays society tries to frown upon you carrying a knife, just like we won't get into the gun conversation right. and things like that. But I think that, you know what I mean, from a protection standpoint or, I mean, you could do a lot with a two-inch pocket knife. That well, it was a tool. You know, yeah, I mean, it's always it, been a tool, regardless right. of how people view it, and right. and more so for some of us, you know, than others. And 
So, you know, and like, and that gets back to what we talked about earlier about being in the woods and all that. Mm -hmm. We always had a knife, so there was always some use for that knife at some point. Well, I think back, I think back a little bit, like, like as a kid and, and I mean, no, I I know you always did, but like, I think about all, any, any, and I don't want to use the term elder, but anybody older than me that was doing anything at all, always had a knife in their pocket. Always. Always. And and if there wasn't one in the pocket, there was always one somewhere in the car. You know, I got one in the trunk or I got one in the console or in the glove box. Of course, they didn't have consoles then, you know. But it's funny because nowadays, like, you you know, everybody, you know, you got a knife? What? No, I don't. I mean, I always have one close by. I don't always carry one in my pocket, but there's always one close. I mean, I think I'd probably be in a whole lot of trouble if I didn't, but um, just because of the, the company that I'm in right now, if I, you know, and, and if it wasn't one that he made, it'd probably even be in more trouble. But nonetheless, I think that that says a lot about the, the, just the need for it as opposed to just a necessity. And now I've learned a lot more and I know you have too, just from the exposure to the knife people and all the things and places that I've been with you and all the shows that we've done like some of the exquisite work and the, the beautiful, you know, and, and those of you that don't know about my creative side, I mean, I, I got an art background and that's a whole different conversation too, but that kind of stems into the knife stuff that you and I have looked at things and, and mentally I process it like, Hey, this will make this finish or that finish. Right. This will do this. This will look this way. And you see it more on the technical side and I see it. And I see that too, because of, of exposure with you and obviously my background mm-hmm. too you know, in the, in the collision industry, but we also see that the beauty in the quality and and those things that go along with that. So I guess that puts us at a point. So now you always had a knife, you know, and you cut yourself. So that started the deal, but then later on, because you really didn't start making knives till I was probably, I mean, I was probably, I had to be high school. Maybe yeah. right then you started dabbling a little yeah, bit in maybe it. So even a little later, but yeah, the end of high school, maybe. I mean, I know Justin was still in high school at that point, so I mean, it would probably be. It's got to be twenty five, yeah. maybe thirty years now. Twenty five. So how does that start? I mean, I know you started out every like a lot of guys that might be listening or you know they see knife stuff. I mean, we'll, and we'll obviously we'll get this on your page as well and. And whatnot, but a lot of guys hear that and they're, they they want to get started, but they don't know how, or right. they don't know they don't know what to do. Well, you know, you're looking through a magazine, you see an ad for a company that's you know selling stuff to make knives, knife kits, or that type Just, of thing. There's and a ton of companies out there now. There, there is, wasn't oh, before. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't then, but and some of those companies have merged with other companies that have bought them out and now you know now there's right. no, still just a handful but it's funny because that crossed with when we were doing the turkey calls and stuff we started doing all those turkey calls mm-hmm. and making that stuff and then all of a sudden we realized wait a minute now there's a there's a cross-pollination of the same type of stuff right. we were getting stuff out of turkey call magazine maker magazines and stuff that we were using that nobody was touching on the knife stuff at that right. point you know so so yeah you could buy you know you so you could buy and buy good quality blades for a while that and then handle material or of course you, you know my thing is i've always loved the deer antler the bone right. has always been my favorite so just started you know putting components together and, and so you could buy a kit but to me the kit was so simple i've always been real mechanical 
So the kit was like, so well, what, there ain't nothing to putting this together. Right. You know? Before you go on with that, call, tell me what that's called. When when the person is just a person that they buy a kit and they're an assembling a knife. They're just beginning. <laughs> just just start. They're just starting out a long journey. Be careful. Yeah. Because it could be very addictive. Yeah. And expensive. Very expensive. Yeah, the knife shops, you know, I mean, whew. The amount of equipment and stuff that comes in here. So, but so yeah, I mean, as as you go through that and and you get the kits, then what? I mean, the addiction starts, of course. Right. You just and I guess it just goes from there. And you you know people either get frustrated with it, and you know decide maybe I don't have enough tools or don't have the right stuff to do it. Right. But it's like everything else. The more you do it, the better it gets. And if you enjoy it, you know you. Well, our that background helped because we had a ton thing. of that, the yeah, tools you know, and you stuff can make for a knife, it. You know. If you can build a knife, whether it's from a kid or from scrap or whatever, that you can that you can use, mm-hmm. then you know then it's that it's that much more you know because you say now wow I built a knife that I can actually take hunting or I built a fillet knife that I can actually right. go fillet fish. Well, it's, with. yeah, and it's the same as like building lures and things of that nature. You know, it's funny because like kind of will allude to that a little bit i mean we're kind of being a little modest i mean especially you and i there ain't much that between the two of us we can't build or make or construct or you know we put a mind to it and like next thing you know we'd rather build a tool to do something as opposed to going to the store and and buying it don't get me wrong i mean there is things that we have to go to the store and we have to buy that make the job easier or faster but as a whole it's some one of those things that i think that we've always been able to take two pieces and make, you know, complete the puzzle. You know well, what I mean? It's the MacGyver in, way. If you get involved in it and you keep, and you keep advancing, there's stuff you're going to find that, you know, there's stuff that you, that you, you would like to have or need. Maybe you can't afford it. So you, you figure out how can I make that? I mean, there's right. a lot of stuff in my shop that I've put together. There's a machine sitting right there that I just built yeah. to do one specific thing on a pocket knife. Right. Simply because it takes a lot longer if I do it with a file. So, right. you know, as you advance, there's things you can. What you learn. You learn what you need right. and where the shortcuts are. And, and especially again, when your orders. Because I, because I have always. You have that mechanical. mechanical side. Yeah. Well, and, and the other, the metalwork side too. I mean, we have a huge collision background in our family. So, I mean, most of us, have, if we aren't in the collision industry, I think one of us, you know, has always dabbled in it and, one way, shape, or form. I mean, right. I think maybe Justin's about the only one that hasn't done right. anything with it, and don't let him fix anything on your car. But that's a whole different different ball game. But I think that leads into like now you start reaching, you start reaching the limitations of what you can buy in a kit. You know, and then you start looking at it and going, okay, I can buy the same knife blanks, and I can buy twenty thousand different kinds of handle material, or I can look around here, and that's when we start experimenting with other handle material. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's go back to the days of like countertop. I mean, we used Corian countertop a long time ago. I mean, yeah, I could get it for nothing. I went. To, yeah, I mean, I the went to a scrap place, place around the corner. Yeah, there's a dumpster full. Help yourself. And that's it's kind funny of, that stuff held up really, really well. Like you wouldn't, you know, it's a little slick a little if it got wet. Too, at and little, times, yeah, you know? but it was free, and it was you know for the guy just trying to make a different variety of handle material stuff it you know there's worked. a thousand of those knives out of there that were if you out wasted there that it way too yeah you know, I mean, it didn't matter right yeah as opposed to buying you know a set of matchbook pieces of spalted maple or something that are 40 50 bucks you know for for a matchbook set but and i guess for me the the kit it, 
it be, got to where it was boring, right? For me, because I all I had that I want I always wanted to be at that next level. I guess that was the you so, know. It, yeah, I mean, I think that that that's the thing you you want, and I say this all the time. And everybody that listens is going to laugh. I know Scott's going to laugh. It's like he says different things or or whatever all the time that we joke about, but it's one of those things that you always instilled in me is to look at something that motivates you to improve and progress. And it may be something simple or it may be one thing. It's like you said, like, I want to take this to the next level. I want to do something different. So, you know, at that point you were making sheaths, you were doing all your leather work as well. Yeah. And didn't have any idea, no idea what to do. Yeah. Didn't have a clue. And at that point, there really wasn't the YouTubes and stuff like that either. No. Only thing we had was a couple Blade magazines and things like that. Or mm-hmm. what was the other, that, that Frontier magazine we looked at, Backwoodsman. Yeah. That was a lot of those guys that were utilitarian type, just guys like us that loved the outdoors and just had a passion for those things. And they were just out there doing the same Leather thing we were doing. Lace, you know, just tying stuff together. Yeah, just that, making it work. Well, that works. That looks pretty good. So... We go through that. We we're, you know, now. I mean, God, we got to be the kit thing. You really didn't take the kit thing for very long. I want to say probably, well, probably before you move. So Justin gets college, and then you move shortly after that. So I mean, you got to be maybe what five, ten years, ten years, maybe max of just doing that stuff and kind of adventuring a little bit not even that on the you know the kits i didn't do a lot of kits because they were pretty much you had to make it the way the kit was and 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 i figured out early on that that wasn't it if i just had this blade i can put the handles i could put anything i want on it i don't have to use their handles and a lot of the kits were just blocks of wood you know you had to shape whatever yeah Yeah. you, you know they were already cut to shape Everything. Yeah, and the only thing they were was just different, like you said, just different so material. Found, and they weren't well, expensive could, too. Then I they found were just... you could buy blade. You know, you could buy some pretty good blades, and thought, you know, let me try this. So I'd get a couple different blades, and mm-hmm. you know, try that, and you know, that worked out. That worked out good for a while, and that I guess that got me started. And in... well, then the word of mouth thing turns into right. like you're carrying them. At the time, you were still working. You weren't mm-hmm. retired yet at that point, and. You know, I mean, everybody around you in that circle, even at work, about 90% mm-hmm. of those people were all outdoorsmen as well. Right. So, I mean, I think when you walk in and you're going, you're dabbling and stuff like that, and one person hears this or the other, it, it, you know, they're like, right. oh, you, you know, Carter makes knives. Oh, okay, cool. And the next thing you know, now you got Christmas time rolls around and you got 10 or 15. And at that point, you're like, wait a minute, this is something different. Like, mm-hmm. I can do something different, you know, and then you get people asking for things that you hadn't really experienced yet. So then it, it just makes your mind just keep going and, and looking for something else to do or some other way and material or change. Right. Or, you get people wanting to know, can you make this? And you go, well, you know, I right. don't know. I, I we still get that. I don't know if I can buy that. I don't know if I can, you right. know, and I guess that's what always fed the, the passion in the back of my mind. I was always like, the passion was a I challenge. Want that's build, it. <laughs> I want to be able to build my own knife mm-hmm. from, just a piece of steel mm-hmm. to, you know, the whole thing. But I didn't know how to go about it. I seen good knives, seen good blades, you know, and but I didn't know how to go from there. Well, at that point, we weren't we weren't doing the show thing. We weren't doing any of the real, what I'll call the knife maker world. We weren't right. on that side of the fence. And I say we because i kind of been alongside you a lot of the, the way and, and different things that way too, but... 
and and I've done my fair share of dabbling and learning and you know what I mean eventually I'll probably I mean I've got enough stuff to do the shop almost at home now so it, it's one of those things where I want to do more my thing is just time and as the boys get older and, and I get less busy right. which God knows that probably won't happen but I, you know <laughs> I, I think there's there's things that I want to do and learn that I see differently and our style is a little bit different but combined we really can put out some pretty impressive ideas and things that <clears throat> you know has went a long way with these shows so let's go, you know, you and I are wandering around all these shows all the time. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I know that that Michigan Deer and Turkey show, there was there was never anybody in there. They were always selling maybe garbage. One maybe one. And they really weren't even I mean, at the time there was one, we won't mention its name. There was a UP company at one point that started mm-hmm. really kind of doing a little more custom mm-hmm. on a commercial level. Right. So now that puts you almost at time for retirement. Fast forward to now you retire, you know, you're done chasing baseballs. We chased enough of those forever. Um, Justin's done with college and, and, and even his stint in, in, in the, the big league side of it there for a minute. And then we move to now you decide up, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to retire. I'm going to build a house on a hill in Tennessee, yeah. which that does what? Tell me where that goes. So now you, you're, the process happens. You build the house. The house is done. You move to Tennessee. We come down here midsummer, June, July. I think you moved. Was it like June? June, yeah. Yeah. We moved down um, and built the shop here yep. with cool. the intention of not necessarily going to where you are now. No, but. just kind of still dabbling in it and doing whatever. And we, we, and you know, I have a cousin here as well that builds right. knives as well. And, uh, you know, you know, so now you're, you're close by Randall, you know, and you guys mm-hmm. were trying to dabble in some more stuff together and like-minded people create really good quality stuff usually. Mm-hmm. So now. So basically doing what I was doing at home know, before, cause that's the only thing I knew how to do. Mm-hmm. And meeting with people that I had met here. I used to go to breakfast with some guys that they had a coffee club and I would carry stuff in there and lay it on the table and you know, they're like, Wow, you you made that? I'm like, Yeah and so guys would they'd say, Well man, I wanna buy that and then mm-hmm. you know, they had a couple auctions. I donated some stuff to, to an auction benefit thing and mm-hmm. so it got like that. But still in the back of my mind I'm like that's still not where I want to be. I want to build. I want to do more. I right. want to build my own knife. And they right. kept t- and I kept telling guys that you know about that, and you know, and then they said, well, you know, there's a knife maker mm-hmm. who lives not too far from here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool, you know. So we, I said, so the well, conversation I mean, just keeps going on. And I said, on. yeah, and they kept telling me that, and I thought, well, I who is this guy? To- How do I meet him? What do I got to yeah, do? Yeah, I need to try to find this guy, and and I didn't know who he was or anything. And happened to be driving in Tullahoma, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and see a sign hanging on a mailbox <laughs> with a big knife on it. And the, and one guy told me he thought that's where he, where he lived around there. And I Somewhere thought, in that area. I said, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. So I said, I am going. So I loaded up some of the knives I had in my truck and went to town mm-hmm. and pulled in his driveway. Just so happens he had a student in there at the time. And... um. Walked in there, introduced myself, and um, he 
told me, well, have a seat, you know, and he got talking about it a little bit. He wanted to know what I did. He said, did you bring any with you? And I said, I mm-hmm. did. And so, go get them. <laughs> so, I'll go nervously, you know, go out to the truck yeah. and get them. And well, he was really, there. you were really nervous. When we say this name, anybody that's had exposure to him will understand why you were really it's nervous. So, <laughs> he, so, I carried him back in the shop and we sat down and he looked him over like that. And he said, um. His name was Bob Levine, by by the way, Levine great knife knives. maker. And he he looked at me and he said, "Um, these are." He said, "These are really nice." He said, "But you didn't make the blades, did you?" I'm like, no, sir. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Okay." He said, "Well, you're a hafter." Mm-hmm. And I remember the expression on my face must have been priceless because he looked at me and he got to laugh, <laughs> and it was hard to make Bob laugh. Yeah. And he, um, yeah, he was definitely good at making you laugh, but he said, um, you don't know what that is, do you? And I said, well, I I think I do, but I I don't know if I know. And I don't know if I like it. And he got a big chuckle out of that. And he said, well, you got, you could take blades and put handles on them. Right. And I said, right. He said, well, then you're a hafter. He said, a haft is a handle. (laughs) And then he kept telling me that he was the mentor for the state of Tennessee. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if I knew what that meant, you know, Mm -hmm. I said, that I'm obligated to teach you if you would like to learn. Yeah, if you and ask. So on and so forth. He must have told me that a dozen times, and I never said anything. Mm-hmm. So finally, when he got all done, I asked him, I said, okay, I have a question. So can you teach me to grind? Because mm-hmm. he does, he did the he did the um, the grind method or, the you know, where we stock removal, stock I removal. guess is what they yeah. call it. And that was what he, you know, that's what he taught, and that's what I do. And he said, man, I thought you'd never ask. He said, I would love to teach you. He said, because right. he said, your handle, the stuff that you're doing on your handles, he said, you've been doing a while because he said, it takes guys a long time to learn to do what you've done here. And he was also a master leather guy, saddle right. maker. And so his leather work was Well, explicit. you get into the other things he so did too with to the learn. guns and everything else. The guy was just, he was impeccable with his hands and, and anybody that knows bob i mean mm-hmm. obviously when we met him bob had he, he had one basically one eye he did and one about eye. yeah about half of that one he see tell you i said only got half of one eye that i work with well so, yeah i used to tease him with a light put the light over the grinder so he could he'd like get out of here he <laughs> said i do this by feel you know i can't see <laughs> yeah oh well you know oh bob he's he's not with us anymore um unfortunately he was such a great guy and you know even the the times that i spent up there there wasn't i mean i was in tears most of the time just dying laughing with the stories that he had and that's one thing if you ever sat down with bob you were getting a story didn't matter if you wanted a story or not you were but yeah and that's where i was going to go with that story was going to be there was a premise and he would ask you and you make sure that you knew why he told you that story or what that was from or you know, and and even in my, and I didn't get the exposure that you had, obviously, but all the times that I spent around him or the shows that we went and I sat at his table from time to time or any of that, like that guy was just, uh, always brought something, something oh, yeah. extra, <laughs> you know, always the, you know, he always put the Bob Dutch on it for sure. What he was no, you didn't. And he had zero, zero filter, none whatsoever, which that's a good thing. I kind of <laughs> the same way. Um, I'm kind of the same way, but it's, it's one of those things that you know, we were fortunate enough and you especially were fortunate enough to spend a ton of time with him and, um, you know, up there at the house with him and Shirley and, and, and just have the exposure to learn 
his style and not just his style because he was he was always forthcoming as telling you going hey there's a lot of other ways to do this out there here's what i think you should do you're good now you're good at this or you're getting good at this you should learn how to do this or you should check this out add more to your basket and i think what happens is you anytime you you learn from somebody Mm-hmm. If you don't know, you're going you're going to typically copy what you learn from them. It's like, right. I, for example, I built a pocket knife, one of the first pocket knives I ever built. I had carried down to a welder friend of mine mm-hmm. that wanted. I was looking at his bandsaw, and he's wanting to know, well, why? What do you need? What do you do? And I told right. you know, I told him, I'm, I said, well, I'm a knife maker, and he said, well, you got a knife, and I pulled this knife out of my pocket. Turns out him and Bob had been friends for years. He had no idea. I yeah. didn't have any idea. And when I hand, handed him the knife, he said, so that looks a Bob like Levine. a Bob Levine knife. And he yeah. said, "He said I wished I had the, express, the picture of the expression on your face then. Mm-hmm. Because he said it was, it was amazing, <laughs> you know, what. I'm, I'm like, how do you know that? But, the, you know, everybody has their own style and their own the own way that they do things. And, you know what I mean? It's just like you, you look at And, I mean, I, I would see that, too. We could go anywhere in the country and some, be at a show, and I could pick one up, and I can tell you that, right. you know, whether it was something you did or something or a combination of the two, I could tell you wh- what part it was of time it was yours or, you know, mm-hmm. what the influence was of Bob's stuff. And, and as you advance, it will – and as you advance, it will change because that creativity side of you will – well, you know, maybe some of it's by accident. There's right. been a lot of times I've done stuff that was simply by accident, or maybe I made a mistake. And then after I got looking at it, I thought, wow, I, I really like this. I'm a, this is good. I'm going to do this again. You know, yeah. but it didn't, maybe it didn't start out that way. Right. So that's the thing is there's nothing really right or wrong. Well, and that was a big thing that Bob was always about too. And he would always right. tell you, you're sitting in there and he's like, that ain't a mistake. He well, said, you put it down become, and learn. And, yeah. and, and he always told me, he said, eventually, he said, the sign of a good knife maker, one of the signs of a good knife maker will be when you, he said, I like to watch students that when I can see them come into their own because right. he sees that change and of getting away. Bob did a lot of what they call carving in his handles. Mm-hmm. I started out doing that. I do very little carving now. And and so it's that's simply you know because right. of the style that style. I like and what I like to make. And so he he said it's you know when you watch somebody advance you know in their making he said it's good to see them they come into their own that they start doing their own thing, which is good. And I mean I guess that puts us similar to you know kind of you know. In the similarity side, like, yeah, there's stock removal. Now, I mean, I look at the stuff that you do. There's a lot of that stuff other than the fact that we may have taken a couple ideas, you know, from stuff that Bob did. Or you may have taken a couple designs and said, this really works. I mean, i.e., you know, your own personal design of Bob's mm-hmm. Bob's favorite knife was that Bird and Trout. You know, I mean, look yeah, at that thing. and work- Yeah, I mean, he loved that knife. And he told you, don't go wrong. If you don't learn anything about this one, you know, learn this knife because it's good. It's been good to well, me. Well, it's flattery. I, one of his things that he always told me, he said that, he said, here, he said, if you want to copy this knife, by all means, copy it. He said, there's no greater flattery than for somebody, somebody to want like to that. build yeah. something that you that you know that is yours or whatever he said because you know hey right 
But then again, he was always pushing you to do something else. Like, why would you, you know, and he, and he was raw about it, man. He'd tell yeah, you, why make a knife what like the me when you can make, right. Yeah. You can make this or you can make that. Man, what's wrong with you? What the hell? Yeah. I have your yeah. own, don't you got to have your own mind. You right. Know, just do whatever you want. Which was, you know, and that's good. I mean, obviously later on, as you move through all that stuff and we'll get us, that'll take us pretty much to where you are now. And, and as we're doing these shows and doing these big things that, you know, and the exposure, not just here locally, but all over, um, you know, back to Michigan and that'll kind of spin into, you know, something we'll talk about here in just a few minutes about his knives back in Michigan and, and with the top 10 side, um, with me, we'll, we'll get in that in a minute. But, um, so tell me dad about like, let's talk about steel for a second and we won't get into a lot cause that bores people, but everybody seems to ask us, even though they don't really know what we say when we tell them. Well, so <laughs> they, they think, are these stainless? Will it rust? You know, is it Damascus? Is it not Damascus? And we we have answers for all those questions, but prominently, the most that we use are probably three to four kinds total, if you include Damascus, right? I guess what it gets down to is that I like I like certain steels to work with, and then I know that their you know their edge holding well, hold capability yeah. is good, and I like working with that steel. Some steels are harder to work with, harder to finish, right? The heat treat process is, you know, is different. And so I try to, you know, when when you try to, I try to build a knife that the average working guy can afford. Right. Not saying that I don't build some high end knives because I do. But we well, can build anything. Custom wanna, orders. He'll take if, custom yeah, orders. If a customer wants it, hey, I can build it. If you can bring me a picture of it or so on, you know, I can. Or if you got an idea, draw it on paper. We'll work it out. Or an old one that you, yeah. you do a or lot you of like repairs. Old, you you know, there's a lot of things work. that you've done on knives that are th- twice my age. You know what I mean? Things mm-hmm. that you that people have brought in here. So there's good steel out there, and it keeps advancing. I mean, there's some steels out there now. It's just ridiculous. It's crazy. For, but the price of that stuff is also ridiculous, too. It's also too. expensive. So there's a, you know, I like two or th- there's two or three steels I really like to work with. And that may get back to what I was, because of the way I was taught right. and the steel that he used. I learned to work with those steels. Right. And, you know, I like D2. Yep. Tool and steel. Yep. A lot of people don't realize, it, even though it's a tool steel, D2 is so close to being stainless. I mean, it's that close. Right. That you can polish it. It was, it will, it'll take a mirror polish. It's still going to rust if you don't take care of it. Yeah, but, but it not holds nearly up and like it holds a high an edge. carbon yeah. steel would. Yeah. Holds an edge great. It's right. easy to work with. Um, other ones besides D2, ATS 34. Well, it's pretty well, it's much really not, not ATS 34 now. But it's the, the new version, the one, CM 154, which is, is the, the American yeah. version of ATS 34. Right. Like um, 440. Same 440. Same thing. Okay. And then obviously Damascus. Damascus, Damascus stuff. Dad doesn't do here in in house. Uh, we've got a guy. Um, Dad happens to have a shirt on right now. It's funny. I'm looking over there. It's you know we'll mention him here. We'll get a hold of Brad in Alabama, Damascus. Yeah. Brad, we've known Brad for a while, and Brad does a really good job with his Damascus, and he and he makes it at a price point that is affordable for a guy that's that is not trying to break the bank i mean there's some mosaic damascus out there that you can pay hundreds of dollars per inch you know and and some of the stuff there the pattern damascus is crazy and now they're even get that coloration stuff i was looking at the stuff in the book the other day it's nuts but and dad you know then you can get into the forge side i mean we we're that's fairly new you got a forge we're not really doing the forge work we're gonna 
That's a whole nother yeah, shot. Yeah, we're going to try. I'm not doing that. That's a whole nother shot. I mean, that's what fascinates me is the forge work, but I guess the blacksmith, the blacksmith side is something I'm going to have to just linger into my, my own way. So, uh, but it's, but it's impressive to see the different types of things that you can do with everybody thinks of steel and they think of hardness and they think all these different things about it. And there's so much you can do with it in so many different creative ways, whether it's, you know, thick or thin or, you know, different ways to remove the stock or, or do things straight razors. I mean, yeah. And I'm, I might add that, you know, I've got a lot of equipment and I right. bought equipment after I started, you know, things that I needed grinders and so on and so forth. But you don't have to have, no. Somebody that's thinking like they might want to do this. Right. You can build a pretty good knife with a file and, you know, just a mm-hmm. few hand tools. You got a vice and a file. It's gonna take you, you longer, can... but it's sure it, it is. It's gonna what, it's what gonna teach you, you more too. Yeah, and it's gonna teach you more through the process. Well I always hated to file and I, I remember even as far back as shop classes in school. Mm-hmm when they would give you a project and here suddenly you hear you had to file that. I thought, man, this is crazy this to is have to stupid. sit here and do this. And one of the first tools that it, Bob handed me in the knife <laughs> shop working on a handle was a half round file. Mm-hmm. And he said, here, and put it in a, he had a vice that was made specifically to hold a knife. Mm-hmm. And he said, here, now you got to take a file and shape this thing. And I'm thinking that was the first thing flashed yeah, in my here mind. Here we go. Right. Thing. But, now I realize the the, the file is, work. It, well, now that it's essential. It's right, a, it's yeah, you got to do it. It's you got to have. Yeah, and you will. You're going to learn to use it. It will work. Well, and I think that that too. Then you learn you learn those things, the essential part, and then you will learn what you can do decoratively with a file and things right. that you know all these different patterns and things that you can integrate into the tang and and, and different you know. Um, checkering and that we could go into a whole, I mean, we could probably talk for hours on different technical aspects of the knife side. And that's not really what I want to do is bore you guys with that. Um, we just want to talk about those things that lead to, um, you know, obviously we touched on the steel. What, before we go into the types of knives that you do dead and, and I mean, obviously I know we, we said that already that you do anything. If somebody says come in here and, you know, come to the shop and they want to check something out. Normally you've got a pretty good inventory of knives. Mm-hmm. Um, the certain times of the year that are not holiday times. If you want holiday knives to, you know, get a hold of him or me or somebody, you know, well before, because there's, there's a few fall shows that yeah, really, right yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a few fall shows that really kind of, uh, you know, deplete the stock, if you will, and, and everybody for the holidays. So, and now it's become such a, a such a repeat customer thing too. I mean, how many right. how many guys do you have call in September, October, and go, hey, what do you? Hey, I'm coming to the shop, Carter. What do you got? And the next yeah. thing you know, they buy five, six, seven knives, right. and you're going, wait a minute, I, I got a show to do in two weeks. I can't, you know. But yeah, nonetheless, I mean, got a guy in Michigan that I ship six, yeah, or seven knives to all the time, yeah. So I mean, I guess from that side, what? What are if you if you were to say that you had a standard couple of styles? I mean, obviously we know you do a fillet knife, um, you know just a standard. You do like a burden trout. You do um, there's a couple different styles of holsters. You do a vertical holster and a horizontal like a rider or a horse rider mm-hmm. holster. It works good for Harley guys like myself too. Keeps that knife horizontal in your belt loop. Um, there's a lot of that stuff starting to show up all over the place and he's, you guys have been doing that for a long time. It's funny. I see it on the commercial side and I'm like, yeah, this is, 
Yeah, this I've is old. One. I've I've had these I for think a I've long seen time. One of my patterns in a magazine. So. Yeah, yeah, I I seen that too. So I, you know, there's a couple different things where you know we've run across people that have picked stuff up. I know the the one guy at the show. You know, it's funny. You sit there and you have a conversation, and normally you know immediately whether or not the person has any kind of background whatsoever, whether they're, and you know, whether they've dabbled in it or, you know, whether they are a collector because the collectors see certain things as opposed to a guy that actually is hands-on. And it's funny for me is they ask things and, and, you know, and I guess I probably have had so much exposure. I mean, I've made minimal ones myself, but I've had so much exposure to it that they actually think that I make the knives right along with you most right. of the time. It's funny. We'll be at a show, and I'm like, no, he does all the making. I just, you know, I'm just here for, you know, as you guys know, run my mouth most of the time. So it, it's, uh, there's a lot of different styles. You know, the bird and trout, you know, a lot a, a standard hunting knife. The antler hunting knife is, is, a, is a huge one. We do a hundred of them. We sell every year um you know and and that's what everybody likes you know we we try and keep them like dad said earlier he tries to keep them in a budget friendly type thing you know if you want something glitzy and glamorous we can do that too um you know let me know if you got an idea or something if you know we can collaborate like mine's you know most of the time i'm not here in tennessee but still nonetheless dad and i talk pretty regular about things like that and and come up with something new that you know, maybe I got an idea or mentally we'll have an idea that will work versus something that he's thinking and we bounce ideas. So it's, it's good. Um, what else dad? What, what? Well, I try to build a knife that you're going to use. Right. And I, and I tell people and you know, like it shows you've heard me tell them and, and then, you know, like it's kind of funny. Some of the women will look at knives. Oh, it's think, beautiful. I don't, it's how beautiful. do you use I'll, it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to put that up, you know, or right. set that on the mantle or whatever. And I'm well, like, how long? Why? Don't do that. <laughs> it's you know? funny you say that. How long did Lindsay have their knives sitting there? They've been married, I don't know how many years now. Years <laughs> right. And she told me I was just there last week. And she says, you know, she's like, Danny, I, uh, I'm finally getting where I can use use the knives your dad made us. I'm like, it, they were built to use. Use yeah, them. The kitchen knife kitchen set. knife set. Use them. So I mean, but you know, it is it is what it is. I mean, it's it's you build beautiful stuff, and it's hard for people to see past that. I try to finish it so it, it's not only is it functional, but it's usually it's you know very attractive. Right. And some people will pick them up and go, "Wow, this is really looks like it's too pretty or too nice to." get blood on it from using it you right. know to go to deer or whatever i'm like no that's what i built that's what it it's for. built for so yeah we could dig up some videos i'm sure there's some videos of many of them in use um you know there's there's plenty that i i know that over the years i mean i keep there's probably i know out there in the truck there's two of yours in, in there regularly i'm sure there's you know in my packs i know there's one or two all over the place mm-hmm. even even after losing a bunch you know back in the fire there but but style you know the styles are it's unlimited you know yeah. it's it's imagination if you can think it and can draw if we can draw it on well paper, you're like me you like the challenge you know, too somebody comes up here and says hey can you do this or you do this horse you know they might be a farrier exactly. can you do this horse knife or can you do this that or the other what can you do here well, i don't i don't know but leave it here and i'll tell you give me a couple of days. Let me think about it. And you're mm-hmm. like me, you sit it down and walk away well, and come back. I just and... built an, uh, an Alaskan. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Yulu. I believe that's the way they pronounce oh, yeah. it for a guy in Michigan. Almost and... looks like a, looks like a, um, like the, the, 
the chopper like thing. A chopper that, yeah, thing. chopper that they put and on. And this the... guy has a handicap, and he when he called me, he'd seen some stuff on the Facebook page, and he'd call me. And he Ex-military said, guy with a right, with an injury. Did, yeah. Yup. And he so he said, "Hey," he said, "Here's my deal." He said, "I've had some, I got some nerve damage in my hands, but I seen this, I seen this young Indian boy, somewhere I was." using one of these and he's skinning a deer thought, or something right yeah now. and he said i thought wow i think i could do i could use that and so he, con- he contacted me one no he said are you familiar with it and could do you think you could i said well i've never built one but i said i've got some patterns mm-hmm. and let me sit down and draw up a couple things and i'll send you some pictures and we'll go from there and so i did so i just shipped it to him here i don't know maybe last month mm-hmm or maybe right after Christmas, but um, he was like, he's like just blown away, you know, and we put my car to handles on it, you know, mm-hmm. something, and, and he has a service dog, and so I built a sheath, he had told me that, yeah, to go cert- out, he carries it on the vest, so the dog, he can yeah. fasten the sheath, let the dog carry the knife, and mm-hmm. so, um, he contacted me afterwards, and he said, man, this thing is great, he said, it's, you know, you can shave with it, mm-hmm. He said, I didn't know I could was going to be able to use it as a razor, but he said, I can. <laughs> so, yeah, it worked out really well. So the, the so the possibilities are unlimited to only to your imagination. Right. Whether it be the style and or material. And maybe your or... pocketbook. Yeah. It, you know, it, it yeah. could affect your pocketbook could. If, you, if you get really <laughs> crazy. But... Hmm. Well, I mean, I think that just that kind of leads us into where, you know, we'll start winding things down here for you guys but the best thing i can tell you is is like dad said if there is there's something that you're thinking of or in the back of your mind or you've seen it somewhere you know technology is right in your hand most of the time take a really good handful of pictures you know people sometimes frown upon that when you do that or if it's you know odds are if it's out there and somebody else made it it can be made here you know in in the shop as well um, the material may be different, or it may be something that we can change well, I get or people find. Don't or... tell me. Said my grandpa had this old knife. Said that I think I got it. Said you know. He said, man, I what love that old knife. Yep. Said could you? I said, yeah, bring it to me. You yep. know, we'll look at it. You know, and, you know, find it. Well, and you're mechanical it may, enough. It may have been an old timer or something like right. that. And say, hey, yeah, I can, we can look I it can up or that. find I can style make that knife. Right. Put, put whatever kind of handles you want on it or whatever. Right. So. Just to kind of talk about that, you can, you know, and I'll I'll have the information up there as well for anybody that has a question. They can reach out to me um, on, uh, you know, you can get a hold of me through Messenger, or through Top Ten, or through, you know, any of those avenues, or even on the Dan's Custom Knives, you know, Facebook page. There's, you know, Dad's phone numbers up there. You know, call you can me. call I'd me. Talk to yeah, you. I mean, he's he's not as uh, I don't want to say he's not as as tech savvy from from that side, of the social media and stuff like that. So but he would rather have a phone call and it's a little more personal. You can go through different things and, and hell, if you're in town, stop in at the shop, you know, give him a call and, and swing up and see some stuff. Cause odds are he's got some stuff you haven't seen, um, sitting here in the knife case. And then, um, you know, or if you see us out and about at a show, I mean, we're doing some shows, probably going to do some more shows, might see some, uh, you know, you know, there's talk of maybe seeing some knives where we're in the process of, you know, structuring a knife for, um, top 10 right now. Hopefully we can uh, have that in the store there in cold water. That'll bring dad's knives back to, you know, they're always back to Michigan just because of family and friends, but, um, you know, another, you know, old time customers that, that still are buying stuff, but, uh, it'll give you a chance to get into, um, you know, top 10 and, and see some of those knives, 
you know, that, that are built for that same thing, you know, just quality and, uh, you know, something that we're big on here at, uh, at top 10. So, um, but anything else you would add data as far as like, I mean, I want to say thank you for creating the passion and the fire within me for the outdoors and not, not just that the knife and all the other things that I do dabble in, you know, from the fishing and all that. And, uh, you know, obviously I, you know, I built rods and lures and all that stuff for a long time. And I think as I get more time and I get closer to retirement, I said, I'll probably, you know, if, if I'm not on the boat or in the woods, I'll probably be doing stuff similar. Like I said, I'm, I'm close. I just need to get my shop set up at the house and, and get some things underway and try right. and dabble some more in what, what I've already learned. So what else would you add? Anything else you would well, add? I think, that- I think the most important thing is, and this gets back to the guy that taught me Bob. one of his things. He was a, he was a teacher as well mm-hmm. as a great knife maker. Yeah. And so his thing was always that, you need to teach share the passion you need yeah. to you need to teach this to kids or anybody that wants to learn his right. his thing was this ain't none of this rocket science right i well, mean there is some technical side to some of it as you advance and you you know you can learn that but he's his favorite saying yeah. was ain't none of this rocket science no. anybody can do it mm-hmm. but some people don't know how to get started so right. i guess if i my thing would be to you know don't be afraid to ask questions. The knife world, as far as makers, they're real friendly really and no want, No, and they really want to teach. A lot if of guys. The guy, if there's somebody you know, close if you, to you, if you find a guy that yep. don't want to share what he knows. There's something wrong. <laughs> he won't. He probably he probably won't last long because right. um, the most of the knife community is not like that. You know, trying to keep all this stuff to yourself. And I guess that's my thing is that. You know, I want to teach. I've had students, and um, and his Bob's his main thing was you know, we got to pass this on because if mm-hmm. it, if we don't teach somebody, this dies when we do. Well, let's stop like, for a second on that. I mean, think about it. Like everybody thinks that. I mean, how old was Austin when he built the when you did the wood knife with him? Built the whole knife out of wood, and it still teaches all the the process. 12, I mean, maybe a couple three years mm-hmm. ago. So I mean, he's twelve. He comes in the shop. You know, he's here, he comes in the summer, comes to visit dad in the summer for a couple of weeks, usually every year. Um, and I'm sure Finn will be, you know, soon, but nonetheless, he, he comes in the shop. He's had all the exposure to me and the outdoors and it's really hands-on. And then he builds a whole knife in a couple, three days. Dad teaches him the processes. They build it out of a couple different kinds of wood, still functional, still sharpened. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, and now it's funny, we, we say that because you and I talked about that not long ago back when we were doing that show in the fall, is they're marketing these knives like you had him build as the butter knives out of wood and cheese right. knives. It, letter openers. Yeah, letter openers, all that stuff. When you do all that, all that stuff, it's crazy. But what I'm getting at is it's teaching, there's an ability to, because there is some safety things and there's some things like that and some caution and there's machinery and all that, right. but... It's still teachable even to youth at that age is right. what I was getting at. And I think you were too is sharing that that learning thing and getting somebody else. Get them out in the outdoors. Get them out in the knife shop. And if you want to learn yourself, if you're close by, call dad. You know what right. I mean? He'll, he'll teach you or tell you. Or odds are he knows somebody too that, you know, maybe might be in a different area that he can point you in the right direction to, you know, hey, I, I don't. You know, if you're here in town visiting and you're checking out Jack and 
by the area because God knows they get plenty of visitors here. You know, he might be able to point you in a direction of somebody that, you know, is in Alabama or, you know, North right. Carolina or whatever, these guys that he's crossed paths with or something along the show circuit and things of that nature. So, well, we'll wind it up. I mean, obviously, Dad's going to be a little surprised. I told him we were going to try and touch base on about a 30 minutes of a, of a show today, and we've, we've went uh, well into that. But there's a lot to be said about the knife thing and there's a lot to be said about the quality of stuff that he does and like i said check uh check him out on the, the facebook page give him a shout um dad if you want to tell him to call you you can give him your number now or you know we'll we'll post it up there so that they can get it i'll put it on the in the comment section of of this podcast so they can reach out and, and talk to you directly if it's something yeah, that they want to call me i'd really talk to you that way i know what questions to ask and right yeah, it makes it easy and that I way. And I communicate better than if I try to text. Well, texting can be, you know, there's too many missed, missed things, especially when you're trying to be technical about a right. knife or whatever, a picture. I mean, we can communicate pictures and stuff that way, but mm-hmm. whatever. But, but Yeah, call me. I can hook you up. All right. So, well, we're going to wind it down. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Thanks again, Dad, for, for joining us today. And then Thank uh, you. look for us uh, to be able to try and get something in, in the store there at headquarters here soon. Um, we, we have a pattern, we have a process, we, we got something in the works. So, uh, stay tuned for that and I'll have that up, uh, that information up soon as well. So thanks again, guys, for joining the top 10% podcast.